Welcome to Fintech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things fintech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey everybody, Mason Khan here. Thank you for tuning in to another fantastical episode of the Fintech Friday Podcast Quarantine Edition. Hopefully you guys are staying safe, but also staying sane. Uh, it might feel like the movie Groundhog's Day. I know it does for me personally. Um, every day feels like Sunday and um, also Tuesday. It's very weird, it's very strange, but you know what? It is what it is. Uh, on this week's episode, we have Austin Hubble from Collision Crypto to kick off the first episode of the Fintech Friday Quarantine Edition. So, enjoy. Hey, Austin, thank you so much for joining with me today. Thanks a lot for having me, Mansi. Great to be here. Awesome. So, Austin, give us a little bit of who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So, I'm a CEO and co-founder of Concilium Crypto. Uh, Concilium is a big data company that captures siloed data sets from digital asset markets around the globe and brings them into one system where they can be easily transformed into valuable insights for investors. Um, every month, we capture and analyze more transactions than the Toronto, London, and Hong Kong stock exchanges all combined. And we're a B2B company. So we work with funds, exchanges, and OTC desks to provide machine learning powered trading tools. That's awesome. Um, so how, how have you been holding up during this whole quarantine thing? I know I'm definitely getting a little star crazy. Um, you know, before, before we jumped on, uh, <laughs> uh, me and my best friends jumped on a zoom call and we all watched the NFL draft together just to get some sort of semblance of human interaction. How have you been holding up? How is, uh, you know, especially being a CEO, especially working remote, um, how's that transition been going? It's been it's been an adjustment for sure. Um, I think our company, as long as well as a lot of other tech companies, are in a better position uh, than a lot of other small businesses, just because we can continue to operate uh, despite some of these restrictions. It, it definitely has had an effect on communication with the team. Um, I think there's a few things going around right now apart from Corona. So a few of our our team members have been sick and out of work for a little while. Uh, but apart from that, things are going fairly well. Um, we're also fortunate to have a little bit of practice with the remote work just because we do have a, a team in Toronto and a team in Montreal. So we, we do have a little bit of practice kind of keeping that team cohesion from a distance. But uh, there's no doubt that it's it's had a lot of negative impacts on our business, just like everyone else's. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's definitely a very interesting shift. Um, and it should be very interesting to see how businesses are going to currently adapt uh, by working remotely. You know, some companies are going to thrive from working remotely. Like, um, you know, hopefully you guys are and, you know, some are not. But, um, you know, let's 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 dig into that. How did how did you get started into the whole crypto um, realm? Uh, as you say, I mean, you know, for me, I was just a you know, I, my, my crypto journey probably started two years ago. Um, I was just Googling a bunch of things and just found this crypto thing, found a bunch of people on LinkedIn. And then I kind of jumped on, like, honestly, that's the whole purpose of this show is to sit down with amazing experts like you. Uh, so I can kind of learn more and, you know, let my audience learn more as well. Well, it's a bit of a winding path, like most people getting into crypto. Um, I previously worked at a, um, it was a proprietary trading firm in Montreal, focusing on Forex, so global currencies. We were looking at G10 spot markets and trying to do some interesting things with machine learning to get an edge in that market for trading purposes. Uh, at the time, I had a few friends that were very involved in, in blockchain and crypto, and they kept kind of 
bugging me about it more or less. They kept coming to me and saying, you have to check this out. You have to check this out. And so near the end of 2016, I started studying for the, uh, the C4 certificate. So it's the cryptocurrency certification consortium or I'm missing one of the C's in there, but yeah, it's, one of, it's one a really of great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it, it's one of these online courses that teaches you the fundamentals of Bitcoin and blockchain. And uh, one thing that I thought was really cool about that course is in the end, you take this test and if you pass, you can get a certificate but they force you to pay for that certificate in Bitcoin. You can't use PayPal, you can't use your credit card. So you have to actually go get some Bitcoin somehow, create a transaction and actually pay for it in Bitcoin. So that was my, my intro into the crypto world. And then um, about seven or eight months later, it would have been um, around Q3 2017, uh, the opportunity just kind of presented itself to make the leap over from Forex and start something new in cryptocurrency and, and basically what I saw was the opportunity to collect this amazing data set of raw transaction data, um, bids and asks, order book data from these exchanges and distill it into value for investors. And that's something that would be incredibly expensive to do in traditional markets and within crypto, it's was a lot easier at the time at least. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's, Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. The, the fact that you have to actually purchase a certificate in Bitcoin, that's, um, wow, that, 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 that's amazing. Um, you know, creating, I guess, like, I guess creating a system or creating a program um, that helps funds understand crypto more. Um, I guess, what would be your, I, I guess, you know, diluted tips and tricks um, of the trade that you can share with our audience that things that they should be kind of looking for things that, you know, you've picked up along the way. I mean, um, you know, granted, you're definitely a lot better now <laughs> at understanding and like analyzing these assets than you were from day one. Um, were there like a couple things that you kept in mind that's helped you, you know, stay the course? Well, I think it's important to treat these things as a technology first and an investment second. Um, so really understanding how these things operate, the risks involved, especially the tail risks involved with these things. Um, for example, uh, vulnerabilities and smart contracts, things like that. Companies that operate in the cryptocurrency world, if they're not very careful about how their funds are managed and the, the security protocols in place, it really yep. creates a yeah, big target everything. on your back yep. for, for hackers. Mm -hmm. So I would say that for people who are just coming into crypto, um, don't treat it as a speculative investment, treat it as a new technology. So think of buying an individual crypto asset as buying an app on the app store. So wow. put in five to $10, play with it for a while until you have a thorough understanding of how it works and then decide if you want to go up a tier or how you want to actually engage with this. If you want to use it for its intended purpose of kind of um, maybe remittances or transferring payments or peer to peer cash, or if you want to use it as an investment. And, and so once you've kind of made that decision, I would say at some point, the next step would be to manage your own wallet. So it's a very powerful process to control your own private keys and understand how that signing process works and, and really just go slow and steady, ask for help at every step in the process if you need it, and just focus on education and really understanding the tech side rather than just treating it like a, some kind of a slot machine. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, understanding that, you know, it is not, a, again, like, like, like you mentioned, it's not speculative. Um, the app, the app thing was, was a great example. Um, education is going to be the key educations. That's, Hey, that, that, that's the purpose of this show, right. Of letting people know, 
um, what it is, what's the purpose of it, you know, um, you know, us being in a global pandemic right now, this is a really interesting test case of, you know, banks are shutting down, ATMs are going to have limited cash, like, you know, like, three months ago, you might have wanted to buy a house, guess what, you can't, <laughs> you want to buy it, you can't, right, like, it's, everybody's, everybody's money is now held up, this is why crypto came, came in place, right, so this should be very, this is a very interesting test case for crypto. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because I have a little anecdote from the last two weeks. Oh, perfect. Please. We were just trying to, uh, sorry, we were just trying to convert some USD to CAD within our own bank account. So it's not, not a complex transaction, should be very simple. I couldn't do this through the online system with our bank. I called their, their, uh, their support number and they right. said that there's super long wait time. I waited for about an hour and a half on there, got transferred between different departments and their final say was, Oh, I'm sorry. You have to go into um, an actual branch to do this. And that's crazy. So I, I said, okay, well, I don't want to do that. Number one, because that's just what the opposite of what everyone's supposed to be doing right now. This is yeah, really not an essential thing yeah. for my life to be done. And then secondly, I look up and my branch was completely closed. So what do you do now? You know, this is just craziness, but had our funds been in stable coins, for example, so um, a Canadian dollar stable coin and a US dollar stable coin, I would have been able to go to any number of exchanges and go make that transaction instantly and get those funds and move on with my life. And so I think that's one area that, uh, that hopefully banks will take a second look at when this whole storm passes and they, they kind of revisit these processes. Yeah, no, I mean, hopefully this is something banks and this is some, again, hopefully some people actually look into, right. Of um, education is going to be the key edge knowledge is power um, in a sense of understanding that like, Hey, you know what? Um, the current economic systems right now are extremely vulnerable. This is exactly why new digitalization of money is coming in. This is why there's been a, such a huge push from people in our industry for the digitization of money, cryptocurrency, blockchain, because in the next world pandemic, which is now inevitable <laughs> of, you know, now just the countdown of when it's going to happen. Um, hopefully the next time around, a lot of people have more money in digital assets where they're not wasting half an hour on call to transfer funds. I mean, uh, an ago for me, it was a couple days ago. I ran to the, I rent, I rented like the, my local bank to the ATM just to get up and get money up. Unfortunately, I wasn't with that bank and that ATM was locked. So I'm like, okay, I need cash. I had to walk, I had to walk to the actual drive through of the ATM to pull out cash. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, what are we doing here? In 2020 to have that be the process just to go buy something with your own money that you should control at all times. It, it seems a little bit crazy to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. So aside from the new uh, digitization of money, um, what are you most excited about when it comes to the space? When it, when it comes to FinTech, um, what are you most excited and what are you most passionate about? I think that the education side, when it comes to, personal money management or wealth management, having people understand the different ways that a portfolio can be created, whether that's um, goal-based investing, where you're, you're actually looking towards a certain thing that you want to purchase in the future, whether it's a vacation or a house, something like that, and really just diving into how people can retain control of their money while still manage it in sophisticated, smart ways. So I think 
the, the ability for technology to do a little bit more handholding with the end user, with the person whose, whose funds are being managed, as opposed to just kind of completely handing it off and, and hoping for the best and hoping that your either financial advisor, or robo advisor does a good job without really understanding the, the underlying principles. I think that's a huge opportunity for fintech. And then uh, the second one I would say, just to, to circle back to blockchain a little bit, would be the uh, digitization and tokenization of assets. So I, I think fractional ownership in assets and the ability for people to trade these things peer to peer around the world and really bring the kind of um, less fortunate emerging markets, third world, whatever you, you want to call it, and bring that into the capital market system and give them access to capital and give investors access to those amazing opportunities and ideas um, without the friction of financial systems and, and different countries and having their own infrastructure and kind of payment rails and whatnot. I, I think that's a huge opportunity. Yeah, no, hundred percent. The fact that opening up micro investments into like, into like, Hey, you know what? You can own a fraction of a classic car or a condo or, or a commercial like real estate, like opening up those little markets is going to make and break. It's going to be, make the biggest difference in the world. Right. Especially now where, you know, a lot of people want to be a lot more liquid. A lot of people want are, are definitely rethinking where to put their money. I mean, um, are you going to put on stocks right now? Probably not. Are you going to buy a house right now? Good luck. How are you going to do that? Like it's under like, having the access of, you know, Hey, buying a 67 Camaro, we pretty, that'd be pretty awesome right now. I mean, for me, like I, that, that, that's a young dumb investment that I'd definitely make right now. If I had that, if I had the ability to, for sure. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Everybody's got their own, their own 67 Camaro that they want one day. So oh. I think uh, with the right education, the right tools, we can all get there. Oh, hundred percent. So, what do you see the biggest uh, shifts being in the industry post COVID, right? Um, you know, businesses are definitely going to become more remote. Um, this is, I mean, aside from the whole money aspect of it, um, how companies are going to start working and interacting. Um, you're going to see a lot more virtual teams, right? A lot of crypto companies, a lot of blockchain companies are in all aspects, they're global, right? So unfortunately they can't all be in a room, but they all can be in a virtual room. Um, so how do you see the shift happening in the industry post this pandemic? I think one of the biggest things will be automation. I think right now and for the next few months, there will be a lot of belt tightening among big companies and small companies and really just kind of taking a step back and looking at the business and saying, okay, what, part of these processes can be automated. How much is it going to cost me to build out those automations and how much am I going to save in the long term? So right. I think this has been a big accelerant towards um, automating all these processes and kind of removing humans from parts of the process where they're just simply not needed. And then the, the second interesting point that kind of ties into that a little bit is we are doing a little bit of a soft test right now as a society with UBI. So this isn't technically universal basic income, but the amount of support coming from the government right now, this is a little bit of a trial run. So to see how people react to this, to see how the economy reacts, to see how society reacts, I think the intersection of automation and potentially some form of, of UBI down the road might be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, it should be um, what we're running, like you said, we're just running a test. 
Uh, this is just a trial run to see, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Um, I believe the automation thing that should be very interesting of seeing um, how companies are going to come out, come out of this and reassess, Hey, what in our, in our definition or whatever you want to call it um, qualifies an essential worker. Right. And can we automate these things? Right. Um, You're slowly seeing it right now with restaurants, grocery stores, everybody's doing this, this stuff online. A lot of people are waking up noticing, hey, I can do a lot of th- these things online and I have to actually be there in person, which is amazing. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, which is incredible. Um, Austin, is there any is there any like final like things that's been top of mind for you since this uh like pandemic? Anything that um I guess popped in your head that hasn't popped before before we before we wrap this up? Well, at Concilium, we, we spend a lot of time looking at markets and whether that's cryptocurrency markets or traditional markets. I think the biggest takeaway from this is find a way to manage your tail risk or at least be aware of what tail risk can look like. Because this thing came out of nowhere. There was, I, I would say that there's no real regulation or government policy that could have prevented this. 100%. Unlike some kind of things like the uh, global financial crisis in 2008. This was something that came out of nowhere that no policy could have prevented. And that's a true kind of black swan or or tail risk event. And we're all feeling it in terms of our day-to-day lives, also in our portfolios and also just how society as a whole is, is reacting to this. So just be aware of what tail risks, that tail risk can happen and um, just, just re-examine everything in your life and think about, how can I manage this? How can I hedge against this? Even if it's in some small way so that you can sleep at night when this next event comes, hopefully not anytime soon, but um, I think the way that the trend is that these things will be happening more often throughout the next few decades. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, what would be the best way for our audience to either reach out to you? If they have any questions about concilium, if they have any, any questions of, you know, mitigating the tail risk. Um, how would how would our audience get in contact with you? Well, as a company, we try to be very active on LinkedIn. So I'd say the, the first thing would be to follow our company page on LinkedIn. And then also just feel free to reach out through through the website contact form. We always reply to everybody that comes through there. So uh, yeah, please feel free to reach out anytime if you have questions or you're looking to learn more about the company or crypto assets as a whole. Awesome. Uh, Austin, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. And I'm excited to sit down with you, hopefully in a real room after this pandemic. Sounds great. Thanks a lot for having me, Mansi. Take care. You've been listening to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest Fintech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org. Oh, yeah. 